The ball goes skywards, and the match is on! That is goblin debris all over the pitch. If goblins were meant to fly, they'd have wings. Hello and welcome to Percy's Trollcast, the only Blood Bowl podcast that is ignored, archived and then hastily resurrected by a troll. That's Percy the Troll. My name is Ol, and I'm on my own tonight because Percy's too busy recovering from such a massive effort of regeneration, and my erstwhile co-host Dave is off spending more time with his mushrooms. Now, this is the first episode of Trollcast that we've put out in the last three years, mostly because of family commitments on my part. It's not as if there's been anything interesting happening in Blood Bowl over the last few years, uh, apart from the return of the tabletop game and lots of things going on with the computer game, no doubt, uh, that I've not really noticed. Anyway, I recently went to a tabletop tournament for the first time, and so I thought it would be a good opportunity to bring back the podcast and tell all you good people about it. So we're going to go to an advert and then kick off into Mayhem 3. Do you want a no-win, no-fee claim. Have you been injured? Well, if that's the case, ZOG OFF! We are Valtherg and Zerbag, and we are really hard lawyers, and you're just some kid who works for a living, so we want nothing to do with you. Valtherg and Zerbag, lawyers for the better sort of orc. Since Percy and I last recorded, Blood Bowl has been re-released onto tabletop. Uh, if you remember back in the day, we were the first ones to break that news that it was coming back. And then we went on our slight hiatus and a few things have happened in the Blood Bowl world, including the, the box set being released at the uh, back end of 2016. Well, I was lucky enough to get a copy of that for Christmas that year. And I have had a lot of fun in the following year or so painting up the models and splurging lots of money on new models that i couldn't really justify and haven't all got around to painting yet but i think that is a a universal hobby thing even for people who are coming back into it after 25 years away anyway i have painted up i painted up the humans and the orcs from the uh, box set and i bought a couple of extra human and orc teams off a young chap who lives in the same town that I do, um, who we will encounter later, one Mr. Sean Stevenson, and painted them up. So I've got a full human team and a full orc team. I bought a, a, a second edition ogre off uh, eBay, and I've done a lot of buying off eBay. Um, and I bought some some trolls from GW, and I've so I've made a troll and an ogre for those two teams. Then I, what did I paint next? I painted my Underworld team. I got some second edition Skaven and some second edition Goblins and I've been painting up an Underworld team, which is pretty much there. Um, I think I've got everything I need, but there's some stuff that you might want that I haven't done yet. And then I've got some more Goblins and Skaven to do to, to round out those teams as well. My next team that I painted up was a Chaos team. I don't want to talk too much about those because those models are cool, but I don't want to spoil the joke for anyone who uh, when I play them. Last of all, I painted up a Chaos Dwarf team. Now, my Chaos Dwarf team is from Impact Miniatures. It's the Volmarian ones that uh, rolled Jordan originally, and they've been 
re rejigged into resin by uh, Impact Miniatures. They're really nice models. Uh, I really enjoyed painting them, actually. They're, they're really cool. I made the questionable decision of painting them in a sort of yellow and black strip, which was hard going. Um, I'm not sure I recommend painting yellow. Uh, certainly with the Vallejo paints I've been using, yellow was a pain to get right. Uh, trying to get yellow to cover anything properly is really, really difficult. But anyway, I'm pleased with the final result. I'm no like golden demon painter. I am not professional. I am not even very good. But I'm I'm happy with what I've ended up with. And the next logical step was now the kids are a bit more reliable at sleeping, was to actually go and play some tabletop blood bowl. Um, there were three tournaments lined up for for my local area. There was Solly Hull, Solly Hell rather. There was Godiva Bowl, and then there's Burmayhem. And uh, two of those got cancelled, which I was a bit gutted about, to be honest. But um, anyway, uh, Burmayhem is is pretty established now. It's third year running, and they've moved from their old uh, old haunt of Manalite Gaming uh, to the Geek Retreat in Birmingham. So I paid my money. I had joined the NAF previously, and I, I so I resubbed to the NAF. I paid my money, as I say, for Bermayhem. I decided to take Chaos Dwarves because I felt that Chaos Dwarves suited the rules pack better than anything else I had to hand. So the team build is 1.1 million gold pieces to, build, to buy players, including star players. And then, depending on the tier of your team, you get five normal skills, five normals and a double, or five normal and two doubles if you're a stunty. Uh, Chaos Dwarves are tier one, so I got five normal skills. But I thought I could do better with them than I could with any of the other teams that I have. My only downside there was what to do about Bull Centaurs. I know from experience playing in leagues previously that Bull Centaurs are the heart of the Chaos Dwarf team, and I didn't have enough skills to really get them to where I wanted them to be. Um, I think they're great players, but they need a couple of skills on them to really get them going. So I decided to go a bit left field with my ball centaur and get Hatark the Unstoppable as a star player and build the team around him because um, he's a he's a developed uh, ball centaur so he was already done and I could add skills to other people with uh, relative impunity. With that in mind I took two re-rolls, Hatark the Unstoppable who's 330. I then took six Chaos Dwarf blockers and rounded out the rest of the roster with Hobgoblins. So that's one, two, three, four, five hobgoblins. I gave guard to three chaos dwarves, sure hands to a hobgoblin, and wrestled to another hobgoblin. Not that that ever really got used, but you know, there we go. Um, and I was quite pleased with that. I had ten thousand left over, so I bought one one dollar of fan factor. Um, having built my roster and realised I needed to submit it to to the tournament organizer before the the tournament, uh, and doing that. I was all set and ready to go. Packed my bag the night before. I was quite excited. I'd never played, hadn't played tabletop blood bowl since I was a teenager, and I'd never played in a NAF tournament. So I had really no idea what to expect. And that's kind of what I'm I'm doing with this segment of the podcast is is explaining to anyone who might be having cold feet about going to a tournament what happened and and you know maybe giving you some idea of what you might be able to expect. So. On the morning of the tournament, I took the train into Brum. Um, it's just a short trip for me up the, up the way. And headed over to Geek Retreat. I'd never been there before. I'd, I was vaguely aware of where it was, but I'd never been in. And wondered what to do next. I 
was able to just buy a cup of coffee because it's a cafe. Uh, that's that's their main business is running as a, as a as a cafe that had to do a very nice coffee. Had a nice, very very pleasant coffee, and started to sort of just generally hang around with the other people who were clearly turning up with blood bowl kit and bags of stuff and and boards and miniatures and so on and so forth. Uh, then we all got whisked away to the upstairs room in the geek retreat, where Sean was starting to organise things and bringing everyone together and just plonked myself down and started talking to some guys um a bunch of guys from the derby league were there and i just sat chatting to them for uh seemed like half an hour or so possibly a bit longer just while we were waiting for for the last stragglers to rock up in the morning i will say this about everyone at that tournament that i spoke to everyone was really friendly really nice really easy to get on with both before the games and between the games and during the games and we all know that blood bowl can be pretty stressful but uh it was a real pleasure talking to to a really nice bunch of people on that 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 day so if you are nervous about going to a tournament one thing not to worry about is the people because the people are fantastic and yeah just go go along and experience it because because it's great anyway after a bit of sitting around and discussing what various people have brought and you know getting to know some some of the guys as i say from the derby league the the draws for the first games were made and I would end up being drawn against um, someone I was actually I'd already been chatting to, one of the Derby guys. This is where man looks up thing on the internet. I was drawn against a coach called Indiebro, who was playing Wood Elves. Now, one thing uh, making the switch from the PC game to tabletop is it is really easy on the game to just mouse over a player and see what skills they've got, see what position they are, who they are, what what's going on with them. It's it's the simplest thing in the world. Tabletop, you don't have any of that, and it can be quite tricky to recognise different positions, different skills. Uh, the tack that I took was to buy a big bag of loom bands before going along and use those to mark out my skills. Uh, but other people had done different things. The other thing I do is, going back to my old days of playing second edition, is paint the rings around the bases different colours to mark different positions. And, and I've done it even on the Chaos Dwarves, where, frankly, if you can't tell the difference between a Chaos Dwarf, a Bull Centaur, and a Hobgoblin, you need your eyes examining. But I like everything to be neat, and it's just my OCD way of doing it. And I found my only real complaint was that some teams were harder to tell apart than others. Um, and this Wood Elf team I found really tricky. And it's as much my fault as anyone else's, and I could have taken longer and asked more questions, and I didn't really want to be that guy. But the way he'd painted them, they were really nice. He'd painted them up as um, as ghosts. They were all sort of pale blue cyan sort of colours and, and sort of dry brushed up. He said it was a really quick and easy way of doing them. I kind of got that. Um, but it was, I found, quite hard to tell the positions apart, and I, w- I would have appreciated base rings just to be able to say, that's a wall dancer, that's a catcher, that's a thrower. Um, there were there were things on the models that you could could look at and, and see, but I just my eyesight's not the best at the better times, and I just wasn't able to to necessarily pick out what was what. But you know, the game went really well. It was not a perfect game from my point of view. Well, in fact, none of the games were perfect from my point of view. Not to bury the lead, but it was a lot of fun. I will say that the elves were well typical wood elf team they were they were trying to score with anything and everything um and i countered that by thumping them all until they were dead um the final score was 1-1 um it was very nearly 2-1 there was some elfy bullshit at the end of the first half that just didn't come off um and it was one of those it was a it was throwing a whole load of dice at it and and it, it failed somewhere along the line um but uh 
it was a it was a really fun and really tight game. I really enjoyed it. I don't think I ever really threatened to take the lead, but I was certainly happy to to hold Wood Elves to a draw. Draw. I was. I thought that was quite a satisfying uh, satisfying end to that game. And I I didn't pitch clear them, but I got reasonably close. I think there were maybe three two two Wood Elves left on the pitch at the end of the game, which admittedly is too too many. But um, it was it. I think that's that's the only reason I stopped them scoring was just because I'd murdered everyone in sight. The second game, um, after lunch, was myself playing coach Mortimer, and he had Skaven. Um, I think they were the third edition Skaven metal miniatures. Really nicely painted. Um, I like those miniatures because you can see what's what pretty clearly, um, just because of the way the miniatures are. Uh, it's a lot of the third party miniatures that are a bit more hard to see. Um, that game was... He scored really quickly. He scored in the first two turns. And then my plan was to go for a 2-1 grind. Um, just hold the ball, slowly grind up the pitch, and splatter the the, um, the Skaven as we went, and roll in on turn eight of both halves. First half, that kind of went perfectly. But I didn't really do the injuries that I would have liked to. Um, the gutter runners were still around. The Skaven were going down, but they weren't going out. Second half I received and I started rolling up the pitch again. But for whatever reason, I I found it too easy to get bogged down and then left my ball carrier, I wouldn't say exposed, but exposed enough for Skaven to get round and get a one dice hit on him and then knock him over because he's a hobgoblin with no skills. So he gets knocked over quite easily. So I think, and I think that was a, that was a sort of a constant problem with my players that I need to protect the ball better particularly if you're running with a hobgoblin I tr did try and get Hatark with the ball but I just couldn't get him to couldn't couldn't get the ball to him and I wasn't able to use him as well as I would have liked to for the rest of that game um, once the ball was loose it was very back and forth down the the my left hand side of the pitch um, with the Skaven grabbing it running down then getting knocked over me grabbing it trying to break through, not being able to, and then it being not free again. And finally, the Skaven got it over the line in the last turn. Um, really exciting game. I'd like to say it could have gone either way because I lost, but uh, I think, you know, I think it was it was a fair result being 2-1 against me, um, but it, it could justifiably have been a 2-1 in my favour, I think. Hopefully I'm not offending anyone by saying that. So with a draw and a loss, I went into the last game. I was kind of hoping, I've got to admit, to get some stunties by the end there, having having had a draw and a loss, but uh, no such luck. I came up against Sparky Sniper and his Chaos Pack team. Now, this Chaos Pack team was made with the uh, the GW miniatures, so the GW humans, uh, the GW big guys, and then the Skaven and... Um, orc and dark elf and so on and so forth this guy i mean i thought i was doing all right at painting until i saw this guy's miniatures they were absolutely beautiful and i told him at the, at the time um they were really really well done i was i it was kind of dis it was slightly disheartening almost to see miniatures that good uh and go oh yeah i've got a long way to go that game i never really got myself into that game uh although i did score a touchdown but uh i don't think i was ever really in control and um it was it ended up as another two one, but it was a far more it was a far more solid two one against me than the uh, than the middle game had been. But again, I had a load of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my brain was minced by the end of the, by pretty much by by half time of the third game. But 
Uh, I don't think I could do a four games in one day tournament, at least not yet, not without a bit of practice. But I really, really enjoyed it. Um, everyone was willing to help me through the stuff that the computer has always done for me. So uh, kickoff roles and uh, fame and fans and, and all those sorts of things that I really need to read the rules of and still haven't. Everyone was incredibly friendly and finding someone to talk to between games or at lunchtime or just when you're waiting for other people to finish their games was basically as sim simple as walking up to them and starting to talk to them about Blood Bowl um, or whatever or the hobby in general or Games Workshop back in the 90s because let's face it we're all well we're not all getting on but there's enough of us who are who remember those good old days that you can just say I remember those miniatures weren't they great and and you've started a conversation if there is anyone out there who is primarily a PC player these days and fancies a game of Blood Bowl go to a NAF tournament uh it was enormously good fun it was I can't speak for all tournaments obviously but the Mayhem Bowl is really well organized um it's going to be end of November beginning of December next year uh, or this year rather um and I thoroughly recommend it um I think any anyone who's on on the fence about it really should just get up and go I think I think it's a it's a great way to spend a day if you can get there now I just need to go to more tournaments and get my ranking back up by winning some games. So I need to practice in a league and get back on the, get back on the tournament scene. Uh, so I'm going to go to a break now and then we'll have Sean on, who organised Burr Mayhem Bowl, uh, to talk about what it's like to organise a tournament and all the other things that go into it. Um, there was clearly a load of stuff going on behind the scenes that I hadn't got much to do with. Having problems with spiralling expenses having to rely on journeymen to replace the dead and injured? Do you need money fast? The Bank of Nagaroth can help. You'll get the gold quickly and easily. Then all you have to do is repay us the money at the entirely reasonable rate of 1000% APR. And of course, if you can't make the payments, we'll be able to come to some other arrangement. The Bank of Nagaroth. The bank that likes you to say... So, welcome back. And joining me now is the splendidly alliterative Sean Stevenson, uh, tournament organiser of Burn Mayhem 3. Sean, hello. Hey. How's it going? It's, it's good. It's, it's good to be back on the air um, in the limited capacity that, that this might be. Uh, we might be going to a, to an annual format for the podcast from now on, but you know, it's been three years, so chin chin. Wow! Yeah, cheers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it turns out small children quite a time sink. Yeah, true. So, I remember long ago when uh, when you were after an orc team and you were talking about uh, about the twins. I was begging yeah, you to come and yeah, join us. A couple of years ago, and I've painted them up since. Really, um, Hamiltork Academical. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I, I, I made the criminal error of thinking, ah, oh, stripes, I could do stripes, red and white stripes, that would look really good. And you're right, red and white stripes would look really good if I was good enough to paint them. <laughs> no, I don't believe it for a second. Uh, well, the advantage of orcs is it doesn't matter how bad it looks, because if orcs did it, you could get away with it, right? <laughs> But yeah, I might. Um, I'm very tempted to roll them out next year, assuming there will be a Burr Mayhem Four. Yes, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because um, 
I'm trying my hardest to think of ways to improve on last year. I've always tried to improve on the years before, and normally it's quite subtle things. But this year, I don't want to give too much away because it's a lot. Uh, a lot of work needs to be done yet on on getting it all sorted out. But uh, yeah, just trying to make it so that it's a bit more challenging for the coaches. So I know, and challenging not in a way of you know there's going to be loads of neg traits and it's going to be really hard for people to get stuck in. It's more challenging in terms of the choices that the coaches have to make, which is there's already an element of that anyway. And then it's trying to make that so that the I don't know you've got a little bit more to think about. So yeah, Birmingham Four. It's been approved by the NAF already. Oh, fantastic news. Yeah, it's just, like I say, just some fine-tuning like I've done in the past just to try and make it so that it's as good a tournament as it can be. Well, I mean, I enjoyed this year. Um, I didn't really talk about it in my run-through, but the you got, what was it, Horns and Frenzy on a guy in the first round, and then you had the choice of what plus strength and... What, what did you get with plus strength? So you get the three choices you have in round two are plus strength and juggernaut, or no, you can have plus movement and sprint, or plus agility and dodge. And that will go to a random player, so it's a D16, it's totally random. Yeah, I, mine fell on a hobgoblin, so I gave it um, the agility and dodge, trying nice. to build myself a second ball carrier, which didn't really work. No. <laughs> yeah, hobgoblin, hobgoblin ball carriers, yeah, they're, uh, they're iffy at the best of times. I... The plan was, uh, instead of taking Bull Centaurs, was to take Hathark the Unstoppable and, and use him as a blitzer and then carry the ball with a, with, a, with a hobgob. I think that's probably not the right way to play Chaos Dwarves. And my, so you only had the one... Position in the table kind of bears that out. <laughs> so you only had the one Centaur then with the, with the star? I had, yeah, I had the star Centaur who's... I mean, he's, he's immense. On the one yeah. game where he was given free reign, he was brilliant. But the other two games, he kind of got shut down a bit, and that, that wasn't so good uh, for me. Um, and I don't know, I think I'm a bit prone to leaving my ball carrier not quite exposed, but certainly not as protected as he should be. Mm. Which is fine it's... if he's a block-dodge nightmare, but if it's a hobgoblin with no skills, yeah, he, he got punched in the face quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the issue, isn't it, with Chaos Dwarves, is that they're, they are really slow. <laughs> that's the beauty of they, the ball well, the centaurs, then, if you've only got one. <laughs> if, if, I, if I could have put more skills on the balls, I would have had skilled up balls and carried the ball with one of them mm. every day of the week and twice on Sundays. But I just mm. couldn't get ball centaurs I wanted with the skill package you gave. So, you know, it's only five yeah. skills and no more than one skill on one purse. It's not, it's not what I wanted. No. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's pretty tough. Um, I think I've played in a couple of tournaments with Chaos Dwarves um, and just, well, I really struggled with them. I really did. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, it's the trying to do that. I think the issue is I tried to do everything with the Bull Centaurs and not rely so heavily on the Chaos Dwarf blockers because they are so slow. But then what ends up happening is the Bull Centaurs at least one of them will end up being isolated. And then that's it. Everyone will gather around that one bull centaur and knock seven bells out of it. And then 
they'll tie up the chaos blockers. So you've got these hobgoblins who can get around easy enough, but they get around and they don't have their bodyguards. You know, their pint-sized bodyguards are occupied with other strength three normal normies. Yeah, the hobgoblins aren't up for much by themselves. They're they're, they're really support players. Um, they can't do much on their own. I I tend to find I played them for a league uh, for a league season. I just rolled doubles and um, stat ups for the bulls. The, those bulls were immense. Um, strength five break tackle is that that's a good ball centre. <laughs> uh, and the other guy was the other guy was Blodge, uh, which oh, is nice. you know phenomenal. But you can't do you can't get that in a tournament. Um, so if that's the way you're used to playing, it doesn't have to make it difficult having to to switch it around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the ideas I was toying with. So I've been to a couple of tournaments now where one player is allowed to have two skills. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, it's a thing of you can have a maximum of one player who has two skills, but that tends to be in tournaments where the skill packs aren't free. So you're part of a part of your team building is that you'll have a certain amount of cash set aside for skills. So yeah, I don't know. You might have seventy k, uh, or yeah, seventy k for skills, and thirty of it can go towards a second skill, and then you can have yeah. another two normal skills or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I understand, I understand with tournaments you want to keep the skills fairly limited just because it makes it easier for people playing if they don't. You know, you're not going to know the other person necessarily, and you're certainly not going to know their team build. Mm. So keep it simple, keep it flowing. Um, whereas in a league, you've got more time to build stuff up. And, and and frankly, the way I normally play, which is on the computer, you can mouse over someone and see what they've got, which you just can't do in uh, in real life, as nice as it would be. Um, how how did you get into Blood Bowl? Because I can't help but notice that you're somewhat younger than the, uh, <laughs> the 40-something standard Blood Bowler. Um, well... I used to play a lot of Warhammer Fantasy Battle and 40k and a lot of that kind of tabletop stuff. And when I moved away from my hometown uh, over in Harrogate, I moved down to Birmingham for um, Warwick University. I just didn't have people to play with. And I still wanted to be a part of the tabletop thing, but because I was a student again, uh, I just didn't have the money. And so I thought, well, what I need is I need a game where I can have a small number of models, but that's still going to give me something that's, I don't know, enjoyable, but that also maybe doesn't have an enormous rule book and take hours to play. And so the first thing I thought of was obviously what I need to play is Dreadball. And so I had a look at Dreadball, um, on the recommendation of a friend. But I don't know. There was something about it. it just I, it, I couldn't see myself playing it. I don't know if it was because of the futuristic thing or because it resembled too much the game I played back when I was 14, which was Blood Bowl, which I played like once. And I remember I had, my, I had a human team. But it just didn't go very far because the one guy I had to play against wasn't interested in playing, which is fine. But then right. I thought, well, look. Well, you know. see, I'm, I've heard of Dreadball, but I, I'm not aware of there being much of a community around it, certainly around here. Yeah. Because um, no. we live, you know, behind the curtain, we live quite close to each other. 
it, we could have done this in person if we'd managed to figure out how to make IT work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I think that's it. I think because it hadn't necessarily been around for very long and, you know, I, I didn't know anybody who played it. Whereas it didn't take long looking online to find things like the Blood Bowl community, uh, the NAF website, and all those different things where it became very apparent to me that there are a lot of people who play that game. And not only that, but they seemed like decent enough people to play with too. And so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was warned against it. Oh, you know, it's really expensive and stuff. But uh, I thought, no, it's fine. You know, I'll take the plunge. It can't be more expensive than, than regular Games Workshop products, you know. Like, so, you know, I mean, spending 100 quid on a box It's set. an expensive hobby. I, mean, I don't think anyone's going to pretend it's not. But I think Blood Bowl is as expensive as you want it to be. Mm. Whereas 40k or Fantasy, or Age of Sigma as it is now, mm. they are as expensive as Games Workshop want them to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so it was like it was a better option um, by virtue of the community, the number of people who are playing, and yeah, financially it was you know it wasn't going to be that bad. It wasn't going to sting me like a you know a huge starter set or something. And so when was this? Was this yeah. before or after Blood Bowl sixteen? It was before, so it was in about twenty. 14 I was toying with the idea of getting involved in Blood Bowl and then yeah, that's not that's not long before the person I last put out an episode yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so you, you were back in the days of CRP and and teams were more expensive than say the 20 pound off um of games workshop that you get nowadays but yeah still, it still wasn't a break going to break the bank yeah they they could have been more expensive and I think on average you're looking at between 60 and 80, which isn't far off what you would be looking at now for the third-party teams. But the... Yeah, I don't think third-party teams have changed. I think that the landscape has been shifted by GW coming back in and, mm. and doing their thing with the, with the scale that they can do it. Yeah, and I think the thing that got me interested was that you could still build teams on the cheap by converting. You just had to... And I'd be bold enough to convert. My com my conversions weren't exactly groundbreaking, but there was that option. So getting secondhand stuff from eBay, and uh, I think for my for my rotters because Nurgle was my first team. The rotters I just used Plague Bearers. I just got a box of them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I saw that you were playing. Was it Halflings at um, Birmingham Three? <laughs> and it was ghosts. Um, it was the what is it night haunt? Yeah, proxying in as as trees. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was because uh, I had no idea what. I, I, I mean, no, no one's going to try and win their own tournament. And I thought, hey, you know, what? I'll take halflings. No, that would be bad form. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So I thought I'll take halflings, and there's there's next to no chance. But the team uh, is or was an ethereal team, so ethereal from the secret league. And I was playing that in Horrible. Ah, sadly that's finished we'll now, come on but. to them in a little bit <laughs> but yeah so it was it was a case of look you know I can do this and then I just needed to find somewhere to play because uh, there weren't it was really difficult to find people in my local area who wanted to play in Solihull I I remember around about the same time I was before the before the twins turned up I was looking to see well maybe I could play a bit of tabletop and 
I went on the NAF map and there was nothing in the West Midlands. Mm-hmm. You know, Derby hadn't really got going yet, but they were probably the, the closest. There was nothing in Birmingham, nothing in Solihull, yeah. nothing in, in Warwickshire that I could see. And yeah, it was like, oh, there's, there's nothing much to be seen here. Never mind. Yeah, exactly. And I had a look at the NAF League locator. And you're right. Yeah, there was Derby. There, there was Shropshire as well. So the Shropshire Blood Bowl League, the Wow Off, the Wow League of Fear, and then also um, Leicester. Because Leicester, I think, was a bit further than the others. But because it was on the motorway, it was really quite quick to get to in comparison with them. So that's what I ended up going with. I ended up driving out to Leicester to play my Blood Bowl. Oh, blimey. That's a bit more dedication than, than I could show. Yeah, it was every other week I would go. It's where I was taught to play. Um, and, yeah, they, they took me in and I played there for a couple of years. And it wasn't until BB 2016 came out that I saw an opportunity then to go back home. Uh, but until then, for the two seasons I was at Leicester... It was just an incredible experience because you really got a feel for the camaraderie that they shared. There was the um, things like Duncan, who was the commissioner there, he had gifts that the coaches would get at the end of the season and the whole thing was run really smoothly and it was really good atmosphere and it was a great introduction to the game and a great introduction to league play. And I just thought, with BB20, BB2016 there, you know, there's a lot more people who are, who's interested being peaked in Blood Bowl, and now is just a great time to take everything I've learned from here and take it back home and do something at home. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, you've really made that work because it's, it's what, Mayhem Blood Bowl League is Monday night at Geek Retreat in Birmingham. Every Monday night. When do you start? It's, uh, it's every Monday, 6 p.m. That's when we, we try to start. Sometimes people, you know, with work or if they've got to get the kids to bed and stuff, they might turn up a little bit later. But ordinarily... Say, I'd be pushing it to be there by 6. <laughs> yeah. So ordinarily, it's about 6-ish. And yeah, geek, it was, it's a geek retreat now. It was at a different place. It was at a place called Manalik. Um... But we had loads of issues there because of the area it was in, so we had to move it. But they were the yeah, catalyst, I did, really. I have been down to Manalik, and it is... I mean, it's not the back of beyond, but it's down... down, um, Not down a bit of Birmingham that you wouldn't want to be in the night, I'll be mm. honest. Yeah, it wasn't too bad with with the adults there. And obviously, it's not a reflection on Manalik that this kind of thing happens. But we had coaches who... Um, had a num- had a, there were a number of coaches who were affected because of the area it was in by the people who were there. Um, yeah. And so when we had a young member join who was only 13 at the time, I thought, well, you know, it's one thing that these grown men are being exposed to this kind of stuff. But if I had a 13-year-old kid, I wouldn't want them around there. And so I kind of had a duty to him and to the other coaches as well, really, to to make the change in location. But since we've changed, it's been great. Um, the facilities there at Geek Retreat, the um, 
coffee and the food and drinks, all that kind of thing, I think is really good for the yeah, coaches. I've, I've already bigged them up. Um, and no, they, they were really nice guys. They, the food was fantastic. The, the coffee was really good. And it was, it was a really good environment. You know, it wasn't anything special, yeah. but it was just, you know, you had tables, you had comfy enough chairs, and you had everything you needed there as, as you wanted it. Yeah, we, and we were really fortunate uh, that they were they were willing to take us on because it wasn't wasn't until just after I'd started the league that Geek Retreat opened and I was like, oh. so this is a bit easier to get to and yeah, it's a little bit, I don't know, a bit, it's not so far out of the way, you know, but uh, since we've been there, yeah, it's been really good. Everyone it's 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 not like we've exploded in numbers of coaches. So the number of coaches has stayed about the same. It's always stayed at around a dozen. Um, but it's always a really good season there. So we're well into second season and it's been absolutely fantastic. It's been really good. Um, now, I, I mean, I obviously bigger is, is always better, but I think 12 coaches is quite a nice size mm. that everyone can know everyone else and everyone knows everyone else's team well enough to spot the, you know, the, you spot the killer players and you spot the rising stars. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you know what to expect when you're playing, you know, the next person along. Yeah, I was at the UKTC, and one of the guys I played there is part of the Blood Bowl League down in London, one of the Blood Bowl Leagues in London. And he was saying they've got 50 coaches uh, in their league. I mean, 50 is enormous. But they've had to, to make it manageable, split that into five divisions of 10. And then each yeah. division um, is split into... No, it's not. It's five conferences of ten, and each conference is split into two divisions. And Blimey. it's just like, I mean, he has help. The commissioner has help, obviously. It's a lot of admin, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm sat there like, oh, I have to put in these results for these 12 coaches. And then there's this guy who's doing all of that. It's crazy. Um, but I think as well in the north, we have Sutton Coldfield League. And their league, I think, has like nearly twenty coaches, if not twenty now. So that's taken off I as well. Water Bowl up in um, Stockport, Manchester, that you know, that sort of neck of the woods, that's massive as well. Yeah. Because um, they've they've been going for a long, long time. You know, they're not one of these Johnny Come Lately um, TV twenty sixteen <laughs> goes. And, and there's leagues on on Blood Bowl two on the PC, which is which are huge. I mean, I think um, Rebel, the Reddit Blood Bowl league, is um 200 plus something like that I'm sure wow. I read recently yeah i know we've got one of one of our coaches russell he has a he has a blood bowl league for the pc and he i can't remember the ballpark figure how many coaches he has it's, it's a lot um it, it's specifically for uh, for dads basically so dads who just want to play a bit of blood bowl when the kids are asleep um, you yeah, know, to wind sounds, down. That sounds very familiar. Yeah, to wind down after work and after the kids have gone to bed. That's his league is set up just for the for that audience, and that's been really successful as well. I think that's one of the things that can help to determine the size of leagues. So it's often to do with their location, just as much as it is the how the league is run. Um, you know, like Leicester is a huge league, but Leicester's you know it's a pretty big city. And I mean, having said that, you know they drag in people from Birmingham, so it must be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I was going to say, Birmingham's, Birmingham's pretty big in itself, but um, I think you've got competition in Birmingham mm. from like Wolverhampton and, and Walsall. You know, you could, have le- you could have lots of separate leagues around Birmingham. Sort of the big league in Birmingham isn't necessarily going to be the centre of, centre of gravity for the area. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly um, right. I mean, Derby must suck out a few people as well, just <laughs> for the people on the north of Birmingham, it'll be the, be the easiest place to get to. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that's really interesting, I think, in Birmingham is how the leagues are sometimes quite interlinked because of a lot of them being in a close area. So we'll have some guys who go to our league have played in the um, Sutton Coldfield League or we've had people who returned the favour, came over from Leicester. We've had people who come over sometimes from Shropshire, some from Coventry. Uh, there's the Escape Games Blood Bowl League in Coventry. Some people come from there. So there's this kind of I don't know, it's it's it, a nice thing, really, that some of the leagues inevitably end up sharing coaches between the leagues, and it's a nice kind of variety, I think. Yeah, it's good. I think, I think it is. I mean, I think the strength of Blood Bowl beyond the game itself is the community, and I think those two things go probably hand in hand, mm. but... Um, it is a brilliant community, and I've you know gushed about all the people I played and all the people who were at Birmingham already. But you, you don't meet that many bad people in this community. There's you you meet a few online, um, you know the people who disconnect at, at the first sight of a, of a casualty. But um, in real life, everyone seems to be great. You know, in admittedly limited experience, but um, people are welcoming and no one was that much of a douche yeah and i think that's i mean when i was first starting i was a little bit anxious about how how it would go you know it was something i wasn't blood bowl wasn't something i was well versed in it was all quite new to me of course my first foray into blood bowl was driving all the way out to leicester as well so people who i'd never met in a city I'd never been to. And yet, I mean, I could have been going there for months and then, you know, it would have been exactly the same because they were just so welcoming and just glad to have me there. And a lot of the time with Blood Bowl, that tends to be the kind of reaction I see people getting, especially people who are new or who are wanting to play tabletop out of playing online, is that they they're just welcomed with open arms because, you know, getting more people playing Blood Bowl is great. You know, having more people to share crazy experiences with is brilliant. None of us are getting younger. Some of us us are going to end up dying at some point. If we want the game to survive, we need to keep people coming in at the bottom. Mm. So being welcoming is going to keep that happening. Um, You know, I don't know the 40k communities, but the impression you get is that it's a bit more cutthroat. Mm. Which is not to say that people in Blood Bowl aren't competitive, but um, I don't know, I think there's a good mix. Yeah, I think that one of the things I see happening often with other game systems like 40k or AOS is that there's this real need for a continual progression of how powerful a new army's book is or whatever. And sometimes that works really well, which means that other people 
lose out because they end up getting kicked to the curb because theirs isn't a, a recent enough rendition to be competitive still. And then other in other systems, it, it'll fall flat on its face where the new stuff ends up being even worse. And so there ends up being this whole atmosphere where the game centers around the capabilities of the figures based on whatever's written up about them. Whereas with Blood Bowl, it's all there. You know, nothing or nothing too drastic gets added or taken away. Everything remains fairly balanced. It's been set in stone since, what, um, the CRP or, or LRB6 for, for the Illuminati. Um, and that's been best part of 10 years now, if not maybe longer. And BB16... Games Workshop were very restrained with that, mm. that they didn't really change much of anything. Um, I know piling on changing was controversial, but, yeah. but at the end of the day, that's a really minor thing. Yeah, and the other thing is, which I think is a bit more difficult in other systems, that seems to be quite easy in Blood Bowl, is to say, okay, well, they didn't want piling on to be as effective, but we just won't take on that rule. It's fine. Yeah. You know, it's like the illegal yeah, procedure. As long as you tell people... Yeah, it's like a legal procedure. It's like, well, look, you know, we're not going to enforce that in this league or in this tournament, you know, so we'll yeah. put that on the backstop. So there's been, there's always been a, the opportunity for individual event organizers, whether that's a league or a tournament, to say, this kind of sucks, so I'm just not going to do it. And it's always been, that's how LRB6 ended up working out, because it's like, well, we as a community will work together to make the rule set the best it can possibly be. Whereas you don't get that kind of community input, I think, in other systems that I've experienced anyway. No, I've, I've never seen anything like it. And, and I appreciate from Games Workshop's point of view that with their flagship systems, they need to keep a, a tight, tight rein on it. Now, you might argue whether they're doing the right thing or not. That's almost not the point. They, they're always going to be well in charge of those systems. Mm. Whereas Blood Bowl, they weren't interested for, for decades. Um, so the community ran with it and, and made it their own which is you know i think we've ended up with a really good rule set based based on an originally third edition of blood bowl was really good mm. but it's um it's now something really special yeah i think that was what was so interesting there are there are things where you think actually that that could be a bit more streamlined <laughs> that the pre-game uh, the pre-game sequence i i still find baffling um as the rolling weather and and fame and fan factor and, and all those things Happily, other people just do it for you. And, and <laughs> don't do you over, because I think I won fame in every single game. Yeah, well, there's one... Um, that's one thing that we had to do for Mayhem Bowl was with the arrival of Death Zone Season 2, the coaches had always been pretty adamant that what they wanted was for the new rules to be taken on board in full. And... I started the league with that in mind. You know, well, if this is what my coaches want, then we'll just do that. Rather than pick and choose, we'll go ahead with it. And we'll kind of be the guinea pig and see if it works or not because most league commissioners just weren't interested in taking on all the rules, which is fine because a lot of them are quite crazy. And so we have the addition of doing stadiums in our league. So that's even more oh, right. pre-match stuff that you have to do. I've got to say, I, I've been very naughty. I haven't got around to buying Death Zone 2 yet. I bought Death Zone 1, but I need to I need to either get a copy of the Almanac or, or get Death Zone 2 and, and actually pony up for it. But 
Mm. Um, I've bought everything else, but I just haven't got Death Zone 2. Yeah, well, I mean, Death Zone 2 is okay. It's got some interesting inducements and things. and the There's the whole thing with sponsorships and stadiums. I mean, one of the issues that we found with that kind of thing is, A, the stadiums can really swing a game. So, you know, we've had matches where it's, the coaches just haven't enjoyed it because the pitch has just been too much. Um, gotcha. So, like, Astro Granite, always plus one to armor rolls. And if you fail the GFI, on a three plus, you stand back so, yeah, up. Ev- everyone has mighty blow. Yeah. <sighs> so, is, that's just, that's drastic. And it can really, like I say, swing the game. And also with sponsorships, man, we had a really big issue with people's redrafting their teams, which was something that was brought in in Death Zone Season 1. Because people were ending the season on like 13, 20 TV and redrafting and coming back next season with 1,500 TV teams. So it's like, okay, so I had more money than I needed by the end of the season, so I could buy even more stuff than I ended with, which completely counteracted the point in redrafting, which was to stop, you know, the chaos coaches turning up with 2K TV teams and just annihilating everybody, you know. So, yeah, it's in some ways it's good, but I had to do a lot of work before the start of this second season to get the redraft rules a bit more streamlined. Uh, yeah. I think the advantage you have, though, over my experience of commissioning a league is that the rules are what you say they are. They're not what Cyanide say they are. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some options in Blood Bowl 2, but we were playing Blood Bowl 1 where basically a league was a league and you were stuck with it. Where we had very little flexibility, mm. whereas you've got almost the opposite problem that you could do anything you like. <laughs> and you've got that tyranny of a blank page that you could do all of these things or something else entirely and actually trying to bring it down to something sane is, is tricky. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was, you know, it was, it's great to do what the coaches want and fit those rules in. The real issue came in trying to make it so that those issues didn't ruin a good league. Those, those rules didn't ruin a good league. And yeah, it's, it's tough. But the good thing about, about the league I run is that the coaches are really down to earth and are always willing to help out and help you to fix the things that are broken, you know, because it's their league as well and they want the best for their league. And so you work together, which is just a kind of microcosm of the, of the larger world of blood bowl players where we all just want the best for the game. And it makes it running the league so much easier when everyone can just kind of say, Hey, you know, this is, this is seems like a good solution to a problem. It's nice. Yeah, you you need to be a mix between democracy of asking people what they want, and then also a, an autocracy of just telling them. Oh yeah, yeah, I get the final word. Yeah, you give you give them too much freedom, and, <laughs> and it all goes horrible. Oh no, yeah, I get the final word. Don't let people vote on things. If the last two years has taught us anything, don't let people vote on things. <laughs> there have been a few times where I've had to put my foot down. So, one of the big things was in the playoffs. You don't get to use star players or mercenaries because the idea is you're not allowed any extra help. And that's a really old rule. I mean, that's been around for a long time. And it just did not go down well because coaches don't want to lose their players in matches where they're potentially not going to get the return for the players they lose. It's a similar thing to friendlies, I guess. 
you know, they don't want to play, a lot of the coaches are reluctant to play friendly matches, which will count towards your team. So if you have a, a player who dies in your friendly match, they're dead for your next competition match. They're gone. Yep, been there, done that. And so it's like, well, what should I do? What should I do? Should I risk it and try and get something back? But then what you get back potentially isn't very much. Um, it's that balance between getting the, the star player points and, and risking a, a death. Yeah, no, I had mm. a dead pro elf catcher um, before the season started, which was a bit unfortunate. Oh, dear. But, ah, well, you know, you live and learn. <laughs> so how did you make the leap from league commissioner to tournament organiser? That's a really good question. Well, I'd been to a couple of tournaments before I ran Birmingham. So I'd been to uh, the Derby Tag Team Tournament. It's the first tournament I ever went to. And I also went to the Old World Masters. So Derby Tag Team is obviously in Derby. And that was a really good event. And Old World Masters down in Cheltenham. That was run by Alistair. And they were great. They were really, really good fun. But um, the, I just thought, look, you know, it would be cool if we had a tournament here in Birmingham. Because we were in Manalik at the time. There was loads of space and furniture to be able to run it. We have a lot of coaches, so I thought, hey. Yeah, and as I say, that there was nothing in the West Midlands um, back, you know, a couple of years ago, and until you started up, as far as I could tell. Yeah, well, amazingly, so I worked. So, I mean, that's so that's the basic thing was, as I said to the guy who ran Manalik, hey, do you fancy a tournament being run here if I was willing to do it? And he said, yep. Yeah. And I was like, cool. And I got to work on it, and man, I learned so much in that first tournament. And there's all sorts of things. So first question you get asked, is this NAF approved? Is it NAF approved? Well, I don't know. What does that even mean? What does it mean to be NAF approved? And then I, you know, going down that route, finding out more about the NAF, becoming a NAF member, um, and doing all of that stuff. And then you had people, we were really fortunate to have people like Glow, and Alistair, who, uh, so Glow, the Glow father, uh, who many blood bowlers will know. Uh, the legend that is Glowworm, yes. Yeah, exactly. Percy and I have played Glowworm in um, the Pod Bowl, which was uh, three years ago. Uh, Percy managed to get himself seriously injured twice in one game. <laughs> uh, and he was only on, on the pitch for two turns. Excellent. That sounds like Glow. Yeah, he pitch cleared me with a Kemri team once. Yeah. He's really solid. <laughs> but yeah, so people like Glow and Alistair were really helpful in just giving me some really good quality advice on how to make the tournament even better the next time. And then I had other coaches. So one of the coaches in particular, Justin, is a coach who was really helpful in suggesting just slight tweaks to the rule set. And so, yeah, those those guys all helped for the next um couple of tournaments that we ran in making what was a really what what seemed to be from what everyone said a good tournament uh, into an even better one and then this third one seemed to go down really really well what sort of numbers were you getting for the um the first two because uh, i've only come to the yeah. third one so i've seen you know what it was what best part of 40 people um playing this one yeah well it was really annoying because i was i was really hoping that we would get the the golden number of 24 coaches so that I could have the NAF shield given out to our champion. And we had two people drop out, which left us at 22 coaches. 
So it's just shy. So it's 22 coaches for the first one, which I was quite happy with, you know, and one a big thing of it was I had a lot of people who I'd been talking to from Kidderminster who came up to support it. And we had people, some of the guys I knew from Leicester came over to help out. And yeah, it was really cool to have all those people show their support for that first tournament. And then in the second one, I think we had about 30 coaches. And the we had so we had 22 coaches out in the foyer where we had enough space for about 40. And then the next time round, we had 30 coaches in the actual shop where we probably had enough space for about 25 coaches. It was tight. I was, was wondering how you managed that, because as I say, I have been to Manalik, and it's not, the, it's not the biggest place in the world. Yeah, it was pretty tight squeeze. But we, we managed to get those guys in there, and they had a great time. And one of the good things about not being in the foyer is people weren't freezing, you know. It was really cold out there. And then, yeah, we've... Oh, well, yeah, if you will run your tournament in December, yeah. Yeah. So then when it came to Birmingham 3, I just couldn't believe how many people uh, were coming. It was just incredible. Um, you know, it was, if nothing else, it was just really nice to know that that they were excited to play there, that it was something that they would, you know, leave having enjoyed their day. Uh, and that's, you know, that's all I really wanted to do when I set out starting the tournament in the first place was, you know, there hadn't been, before I started that league in Birmingham, there hadn't been a league for something like 13, 14 years. And the tournament, I don't think there'd been a tournament in there for a long time. So to be able to do something like that, take everything that I had from Leicester and what I'd taken from Derby and Cheltenham, bring all those things back home to Birmingham and kind of give something back to the community in that way. It was just, I don't know, it was, it was it sounds cliche, but it was it was an honour, if nothing else, to be given that opportunity and then for it to be received so well. Well, all it take all it seems to take is one person with a bit of passion and a bit of drive, and you can make it happen. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Now we have obviously we have the Midlands Championship series, and that started off as the West Midlands Championship, and we had the guys in Derby and Leicester saying, "Look, you know, we would love to be in on this." And it's like, okay, well, you know, we can make it bigger and just have it as a whole Midlands. And I think now we have a dozen tournaments that run through through the whole year and they're all interlinked by this scoring. And there's even more reason now for coaches to go to the tournaments in the Midlands because, you know, they can have that award at the end of being the MCS champion. It's it's not... It's not practical for me, but it's it would be a lovely thing to be to try and take part in all of them. I, I don't know how many people get around the whole series. Yeah, I think uh, one of our coaches, Owen, he has a good uh, good stab at it. Owen goes to a lot of the tournaments, but you only have to attend three. So I think we have. I mean, Stone Bowl is one that's sold out, um, but then there's others like you know the, there's a brand new tournament that Michael. Uh, is going to be running called Stag Bowl, and that's going to be in Sutton Coldfield. So he, Michael's the commissioner of the Sutton Coldfield Blood Bowl League. And the, the beautiful thing about it is, when I was running the first season of Manor Bowl, Michael was there, and he was playing... God, I can't remember what he was, I think he might have been playing Skaven. And so he started as a coach in Manor Bowl, and then he was like, oh, you know, this is really good, but 
I needed something nearer to home. And so he went and he started the Sutton Coalfield. And then, you know, he really loved the idea of Birmingham. And that's that helped to inspire him to do Stag Bowl. So that's another instance where, you know, you have people who just start, who then go on to run and do their own things. I mean, Sutton Coalfield is bigger than Mayhem now. And Stag Bowl is going to have a lot of people going. He's, he, I think he's underestimating how how popular that tournament is going to be. Yeah, wh- when is it? Oh, so I think... Oh, I'm putting you on the spot now. He's hoping to run it sometime in August. Um, I think August... He had it between July and August, but I think August is a good month because there's not really much going on in the Midlands during August. So his would be like the only tournament that month. Yeah, because I mean, I noticed the end of last year, um, a couple of tournaments got cancelled. You had, yeah. was it Solihull and then Godiva, but yeah. they were all really close together and all quite close to um, to, to Birmingham, which was the one that actually one that actually happened. Yeah. Um, whereas if they'd been a bit spread out, they might have been more more takers. And obviously, you've got to think about the wider area as well. That there's stuff going on in Leicester. Yeah, I mean, Godiva Bowl was a shame. Um... Personally, I th- you know, the rules were pretty intense for Godiva Bowl. But, yeah, the guy who was running that, it just ended up being that he couldn't get the thing put together. And there wasn't anyone who was... Up- no, I mean, he moved house and, yeah. and he had stuff going on. You know... It was a lot. No, nobody, his- nobody's accusing him of anything. It was just a shame that it didn't happen. But um, you completely yeah. understand why. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and like you say, it's it's certainly not... You know, it's not like a blaming thing. Uh, it's just that sometimes these things happen, you know, and the, with the best of intentions, um, it's the better choice to just say, look, you know, this would be a bit too much for me. I'm just going to have to step back. I mean, that's what I've done this year. You know, I'm not going to be running Stafford Scramble this year. Um, when I'm not going to do another Blitz Mania. And, yeah, I think it's just sometimes you can be really excited to do a load of stuff but then you end up taking on far too much and yeah that's what happened i think with solly hell as well you know so with that i wrote the rules pack for that um for a friend of ours he actually sponsors the club now at um, battleground game in the uk and he joe i said you know if you run a tournament and get people to go that would be really good you know you get people involved and we can make it a part of the mcs but there wasn't enough lead-up time. You know, people didn't have time enough to arrange tickets and get the time off work and all the rest of it. And so there just wasn't yeah. an uptake. Um, and, it, you know, it couldn't go ahead. <laughs> I think I was the only person who bought a ticket after you'd stopped selling them. <laughs> well, that was a really annoying thing because it was just like, oh, okay, so the event hasn't got many, ticket pe- many people buying tickets, so it's cancelled. And I think, like, within 48 hours, we sold about half a dozen tickets. And then people messaging later, like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean is that happening? It's like, well. (laughs) But that was, it was like that with. No, I'd been been thinking about it for ages and hadn't got around to it. So, you know, I know exactly how it goes. But that's the thing, you see. If it had been advertised earlier, people would have had more opportunity to make their minds up and get the tickets bought before it was kind of crunch time uh, for, yeah. that, for that tournament. But, you know, you live and learn. And, you know... Well, certainly if it, if it happens again, I'd be up for it and I'd be um, hopefully 
hopefully able to to swing a ticket. So yeah, well, we'll have to see. I know we'll one see of what the, happens. one of the coaches he's wanting to run his own tournament, so we'll see how that works out. One of the ones at my league, so it might be that he runs. Well, there might be a couple of people running tournaments out of Geek Retreat. Well, certainly anywhere within an easy easy drive or train ride of here, I'll I'll do my best to get to. I'll make, I'll, I'll, I've noted it down. I can't go far, but I'll go as far as I can. <laughs> Have you got anything in the pipeline yourself? Well, there's Manibal. The Manibal Stenny Cup is happening 23rd. Oh, so what's that then? Well... That is, so down at Worcester, they have a stunty cup. I went down there and I won, which was cool. Um, but I just absolutely loved it. It's all the teams from the stunty league on Fumble. And also the three teams from regular Blood Bowl. Your standard stunty teams. Yeah. So I was like, man, I need to, t- I did, did the usual thing. I need to take this home. I need to take this up to Birmingham and do something about this. Because I absolutely loved it. And so, yeah, Manabol Stunty Cup, which is obviously an ode to the old league, Manabol, that um, has all the Stunty League teams taken from version 1.1 of the handbook. And then what I did was took on the three Stunty CRP teams, but they don't get their racial concessions for inducements. So if a halfling wants a, wants a chef, then they have to pay full whack. Same with goblins and bribes. The reason being because they're not really at a disadvantage when all the other teams are equally as pants. So they're, pro- they're probably at an advantage, if anything. Well, yeah, they're used to playing against the big teams. Um, so, yeah, having them playing with teams that only ever play other stunties, they might be at an advantage. But uh, yeah, last last year that one the Squigs almost won it, and so this this year it's Manabol Stunty Cup Two, Revenge of the Squig, um, which I was thinking there'll be loads of Squig teams turn up, but then there's just one Squig team that's going to come. But hey, uh, they can have all of the vengeance. I think it is an issue of um, you know models ha- who, having the models and being able to put together something that works as a team. Um, I know I know you can proxy in, but you still want to have something that, that works, roughly speaking, for what you've got. Um, I know I haven't got a stunty team ready to go, otherwise I might have tried to, to come along. But uh, maybe maybe by next year, I've certainly got some goblins on the on the rack in front of me that I've been painting up. So uh, um, those are mostly for Underworld, but I've probably done enough now that I could do a full goblin team if I got the secret weapons. Ah. Yeah, sounds cool. Well, we've got one guy who's doing forest goblins. Um, I think oh, we've got with the spider riders. Yeah, with the spider riders and the shamans. Yeah, um, but they've used all the kind of gloom spiked uh, models, and then some stuff from Underworld, the Night Vault stuff, or the new Shade Spire things. But yeah, so there's that this Feb. And then, I mean, I'm going to the World Cup at the end of the year, and that's costing me an arm and a leg. Oh, brilliant. Good for you. Is it? <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's no way I could afford that or justify the time away from the family. Yeah, I don't think I, I've managed to justify it to, to myself. But, hey, <laughs> look, you know, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, I always hear about it. It's, it's the same with the NAF Championship. I always hear about how amazing it is. I'd always love to go, and the opportunity arose this year. And I thought, you know, 
I've I've got to do it, you know, just for the experience, if nothing else. And yeah, so I'm going to be going with some of the Leicester guys. Yeah, I I need to get a lot of brownie points before I can take a weekend away. Yeah. Well, the cool thing with the, I mean, a few of us are talking about it. The with the NAF Championships, is that because it's in um, Nottingham, which is obviously only a stone's throw away, um, so normally it's like, what, an hour's drive to Leicester. Stone throw away from Leicester, I think, to get to places like Warhammer World takes you about an hour and a bit, if that. So I think a, a few of us are hoping, if, if I can I have to, if I can get it past my wife, to um, go to the NAF Championship. And just drive there, spend the day there, drive back, spend the evening at home, and drive there for the Sunday. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Certainly, that it's going to save you on hotel costs because that's it's going to be a big part of the expense of the day. Yeah, exactly. And with, I mean, if you if it's a car share, you're sharing petrol. It's going to be nice and cheap, so it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, and no. All they ever hear about the NAF Championship is how amazing it is and how everyone should go. So yeah, it's we'll see. No, we'll if, see. if I get the chance, I will go. But um, yeah, it's like I say, it's a lot of brownie points. <laughs> uh, to leave three small children with, with with the wife. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, well, good luck with the World Cup, though. What what team are you taking to the World Cup? Man, I don't know. I don't know. What do you take to the World Cup? I'm really tempted to just go there for a laugh and just Would take halflings. <laughs> I don't don't picture myself winning any. <laughs> yeah just you know really really go with the solemnity of the situation <laughs> yeah it's just it's like look you know i'm just gonna try and absorb the experience play the halflings so the game you know the game can just be a barrel of laughs and i'm not going to focus too much on trying to win i don't know Probably you're going to end up on the bottom tables, and and the bottom tables are the place to be, probably. <laughs> oh man, you know the the um, tag team, uh, the tag team at the UK Team Championship. The caliber of the teams there is just immense, and it was so difficult playing against some of those coaches. Really good coaches. And to be fair, you know, you're not playing to lose. You know, I was trying to be competitive for my teammates. And uh, it was still a really good time. I was getting my butt whooped left, right and centre. But it was just so good, like, to to meet new people, talk to new people and find out about how long, you know, how long have you been playing Blood Bowl and, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah, it was a really good experience. And seeing other people play can sometimes be really rewarding. If they play really well... And you're like, man, I didn't even see that play. You know, how how does this person think? Like, you know, I've got, I've got to up my it, game. There's always something to learn. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. So, you know, if it's anything like that at the World Cup, which I imagine it will be, then uh, it seems like it'll be a really good time. And I think, I, I, you know, can picture it being like that at the NAF Championship as well, uh, with so many coaches going there from all over. Uh, you'll get some really good coaches. Yeah, I mean, the World Cup must be one of, if not the largest tabletop gaming tournaments in the, you know, ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. got over a thousand people going. I don't think even 40k hits that sort of numbers. Yeah, I couldn't, even, I couldn't believe it when people were telling me, oh, well, you know, when we went to the World Cup in, in Luca, there was like the mayor turned up and he kind of opened the, 
tournament and it was in the local newspaper and stuff like this. And it's, uh, you know, just one step closer to being an Olympic sport now, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Olympic blood bowl. The, uh, <laughs> the mind genuinely boggles. <laughs> Although any Olympic team featuring Glowworm is, is winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Glowworm. Well, on, on that shocking note, I think we'll bring the interview to an end. Um, again, can you just plug the, plug the wares of your league? Uh, tell us where to find you and when to find you. Cool, yeah. So the league is called the Mayhem Blood Bowl League. It runs out of Geek Retreat, which is in Birmingham. And it is on every Monday at 6pm. So we'll meet there every single Monday. And uh, Birmingham Bowl, that's going to be 30th of November. So it just falls at a weird date this this time round. Uh, so 30th of November keeps me clear of the I can't go because of Christmas parties. And it's <laughs> at Birmingham Bowl 4 as well that we will be giving out the Midlands Championship Series awards. So there's another reason to go, just so you can see who won it. Brilliant. Well, I, <laughs> I will be there if I possibly can be. Well, I hope to see you there. It'll be great. If I get it in the calendar now, you know, surely I'm winning. I can't wait to see um, the red and white orcs. Yeah, I'm, I, it's, it's either orcs or underworld or possibly Kemri or possibly some of the, something else <laughs> that I painted by then. I don't know. Excellent. Um, we, we'll see. God, got, take Kemri. I've painted more teams than I ever get to play. I don't think anyone's played Kemri at the uh, tournament before. So there you go, you'll be a trendsetter. Uh, they're, they're the team I'm currently painting. I've, I bought the Willie Kemri team and oh, it's a beautiful team to They play. are nice. Um, oh, nice. In, I got them on sale, and yeah, worth it. Yeah, in the Horror Bowl League, there's a guy playing a Zandri team, which is like Kemri, but they get just two Tomb Guardians, and they also have catchers. The whole team has jump up, including the Tomb Guardians. So they're just yeah, okay, crazy. <laughs> but he played with the Willy Minis. Although actually, Tomb Guardians don't fall over very often. It's it's one of their one of their better better traits is they don't fall over very often. Yeah, true. Anyway. We're going to go to an advert, and then we'll come back for the last segment of the show, which is shout-outs. Yeah, you a gobby with a pogo stick? You want to get some PPI? That's Pogo Protection Insurance. You can get it from us at Grottish Widows. We'll protect your pogo stick in the event of damage, thumping, snapping, murder, and anything else that might happen. After all, you wouldn't want to end up like Throttle Snot, would you? And we're back, and Sean is going to be with me here to do a few shout-outs just at the end of uh, the show. Um, I'd like to do, I'd like to say shout-outs to the three guys I played at Bermayhem, um, because they were great fun to play against, and everyone else who I got chatting to, you know, it was a really good day, and to Sean for organising it, and for, for joining me this evening. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, I think one, one thing I would like to say is, uh, I mentioned earlier on about Michael, Michael Mulhall Rose, who a lot of people will know as he's quite prolific in sharing his amazing conversions and things on the Blood Bowl community. But it's his first tournament this year, Stag Bowl, and he went and ran a really successful league out of nowhere. And I think it would be really great if people could, uh, you know, even if it's just to show support on his event page or whatever it is. Uh, for his tournament this 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 year, Stag Bowl, uh, and if you can't go, then you know you can still support it by uh, advertising it and these kinds of things. But definitely big up to Michael who has 
done a lot in his area for Blood Bowl in very recent, well, in the past year, really. So that's that's Stag Bowl in Sutton Coalfield in the summer. Stag Bowl, Sutton Coalfield, hopefully in autumn. And yeah, it'll be really, really good. Uh, they'll, I don't... I won't give too much away, but it looks like it'll be a really good, uh, really good tournament, and it'd be well worth keeping your eye out for. And one of your three MCS tournaments as well. Well, it, it is within striking distance, so me and Percy might put in an in appearance if we can possibly swing. That would be awesome. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, dear listener, for actually keeping this this podcast in your feed. Anyone who's who's kept this podcast in their feed for three years with no episodes deserve some form of medal i mean they're not going to get one but they can deserve one all right <laughs> um so from sean and myself and and the big green fella thank you very much for listening and uh we'll be back maybe one day who knows um maybe after to burr mayhem four to see how that went uh thanks for listening bye-bye goodbye everybody percy's trollcasting for percy the troll production Blood Bowl is owned by Games Workshop and the video games are by Cyanide Studios and published by Focus Interactive. If you want to contact me, you can email percy.trollcast at gmail.com or follow at percy underscore the underscore troll on Twitter or even find me on Facebook. Brilliant. Uh, Do you want to hang around for the last bit? Uh, yeah, I can do. Um, I don't know if there's anything. I don't know if there's anything you want to say. To us, I don't know what I'm going to say because I can't remember <laughs> how this bit works. <laughs>